Hello, 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 and welcome to the bonus episode of today's FYI on gardens. I hope you are enjoying it, and I hope it even inspires you to go out and plant your own plants. Yeah, I know it sounds redundant, but así se dice. We plant our plants, and we water them. You call it redundant, I call it easy. Let's kick off with some famous gardens. I took a look at a couple lists, and I chose the ones that were on many, many lists. As you guys know, when I'm researching this program, I usually look at, I would say, 10 different articles. I usually watch a video, so I really like to get into the world Whatever that is that I'm looking at, I like to get into that world, whether it's Marilyn Monroe, Tokyo, or what have you. And I am in the garden world. In fact, I was just listening to The Garden of Eden, which is a song by um, Guns N' Roses. I just thought of another song, and another song is, In a garden of Eden, baby, don't you know that I love you? In a garden of Eden, which is Iron Butterfly. And the guy sang In the Garden of Eden, so weird, tan raro, que sonaba a In a garden of Eden, baby. Y búscale, han cambiado el nombre de la canción a In a Gara da Vida. Pero era In a Garden of Eden, baby. A ver lo que oyes tú. Either way, as you can see, I get into it. And I urge you guys to do the same. Live in the world of weddings or whatever we're looking at for that week. Watch documentaries, read articles, and I guarantee you will be more well-rounded and... In English. I mean, that's the whole idea. So, some of these gardens I've been to, some I haven't. Either way, I'll wait till a little bit later to tell you about my personal experiences in some of the most beautiful gardens in the world. The first one is the Louvre Gardens. And if you think about this, it isn't very green, is it? I mean, the Louvre Gardens are not the greenest gardens. If you compare them to the Luxembourg Gardens in Paris, the Luxembourg Gardens, I think, are far more green. But what does the Louvre Gardens have? They've got the Louvre. They've got the river. I mean, it's the perfect prime location in Paris. And it's the perfect spot, you know, to have a sandwich or a picnic or whatever before you go into the Louvre or take a stroll down the river. So part of what makes the Louvre Garden so popular is A, Paris is one of the world's biggest destinations, and location, location, location. And if you haven't heard the FYI episode on the Eiffel Tower, give it a listen, because you're gonna love it. Now, this next garden my wife has been to. I asked her because I knew that she has been to Morocco. And this is the Majorel Garden in Marrakesh. And it's famous because of the cacti. Cacti is the plural of cactus. And it's got these cobalt blue colors. Cobalt blue is like a metallic blue. So those were on many lists as well. The next one was on our lists and was in our Tokyo episode. And it's the Shinjuku Gyoen National Garden in Tokyo. 
I already recommended this one in the Tokyo episode. And that's where you can see the famous cherry blossoms. The cherries are las cerezas, and to blossom is florecer. Another way to say florecer is to bloom. Another garden that is world famous, and I've been to, is the Gardens of Versailles. And again, it's about location. It's got a huge property, a palace, and then you've got these never-ending gardens. It was fantastic. And in Madrid, I live in a town called Boadilla del Monte. And in Boadilla del Monte, we have a palace and gardens. The palace was designed by Ventura Rodriguez, the famous designer architect. But the most important thing and why I'm telling you this is the gardens are designed after those of Versailles. So there's always a Versailles connection. And I can guarantee Boadilla is not the only place in the world that has dedicated their gardens or at least molded their gardens some way around those of Versailles. I mean, when you think of gardens, it's in the top. Then you've got the New York Botanical Gardens. I love botanical gardens because that's a way that if you live in a city, you can really escape to another place without going too far. You know, when you need a little fix of nature, and a fix in este caso es una dosis. And this has been around for over 130 years, so you can consider it an institution. And this number was mind-blowing. It is home to over a million living plants. The New York Botanical Garden. The only problem with New York is you have so much to see and do that you're thinking, hmm, I want to go to Central Park too, and there's a lot to do there. And we didn't even get into Central Park. The Shakespeare Gardens. How many different gardens are there just in Central Park? Oh, and by the way... There's a Central Park episode, so if you want to hear more about Central Park, give it a listen. Next up, we've got Monet's Garden Giverny in France. Giverny? Giverny? Oh, God, there's my French pronunciation. Or lack thereof, carencia de. These are Claude Monet's iconic Japanese-inspired gardens. Anybody who has seen Monet's paintings will be familiar with these famous gardens. And the last one on our list, and again, I'm going to share some more that I went to that were also on the list, but we'll talk about those later. This is Kew Gardens, located in London. And yes, there's an episode of FYI on London. Guys, there are so many episodes, it's mind-blowing. This is called Kew Gardens. And it's funny because I was familiar with this name because there's a place in New York City called Kew Gardens. But the original is in London, just like the original Chelsea is in London as well. We just copied everything in our cities. I'm going to give you guys some tips right now. And again, just a little disclaimer over here. I kill plants, but I decided to look around, to research and see what I came up with and see just some basics, you know, just some do's and don'ts. Lo que debes hacer y lo que no debes hacer. And here are your tips. Number one, location, location, location. Hey, that's like starting a business or real estate, inmobiliaria o inmueble. 
So it's really important where you decide to put it. If you don't put your garden somewhere where you see it, somewhere where it's near you, we go back to that expression in English, out of sight, out of mind. Ojos que no ven, no sienten. So si está lejos, pues está lejos. Me olvido de ello. Out of sight, out of mind. So you want to have that garden at arm's length, como decimos. If you have a deck or if you have a backyard, you don't want to have it all the way on the other side. You want to have it as close to your house and obviously a hose. And there's another thing, another tip. Make sure the water source is near. So make sure you have a faucet that you can connect a hose to because if not, you've got to carry buckets or watering cans all across the yard. So keep it close to water. Remember, plants get thirsty. They need sun, they need water, and they need a little TLC, a little tender loving care. Un poco de cariño. ¿Quién no? Who doesn't need that? Also, the location of the sun and where you get the sun in your yard is very important. They said that most edible plants, edible es comestibles, including vegetables, herbs, and fruits, need at least six hours of sun a day in order to thrive. Again, that'll depend on the plant. Oh, and the word thrive is prosperar. So do your homework. Know what varieties are right for the climate where you live, the amount of sun you get, because obviously some plants require tons of sun and tons of water, and others, well, look at cacti. They don't require a lot of water at all. In fact, if you water them too much, you'll kill them. Another thing that's really important, and of course, you can just imagine this. You don't have to be an expert here, but the soil, la tierra, the soil that you're planting these seeds in. Oh, and that reminds me of a song. Sowing the seeds of love, the seeds of love, sowing the seeds of love. To sow is sembrar, and seeds, semillas. So you'll want fertilizer in that soil. You will want it to be nutrient-rich, no? Que tenga muchos nutrientes. And sometimes people use manure, manure estercol, I think you say, or something like that. Another thing. You've got to know your calendar. You've got to basically become a weatherman and be able to predict the forecast. Think about it. All the farmers out there, they live and die by the weather. So they really have to know, you know, what those clouds mean. You have to know how to read nature. Because if you get an early frost, que se congela todo, your whole crop will be caput. And crop es cosecha, and caput es adios. And you've got a lot of different weather conditions, many of them unexpected, heat waves, drought. So you've got to be an expert in reading the planet and the weather situation. Those are just a few tips. Again, you got to do the research. I think the number one tip for anything in life is do your homework. Where do you live? What kind of plants grow well there? Well, those are the ones you need to do. I also wanted to take a look at some of the most common flowers in Spain and see if I could teach you these in English. Remember, I'm focusing on Spain today and some of the products from Spain because a lot of my listeners are from Spain. But if you guys ever want to know any of these words... 
fruits, vegetables, word reference. And if you can't find it there, drop me a line. Dime algo. Because it's not always easy. I know it with fish. Emperador, pez espada. In Almería, pepa. Yeah, we don't even say pez espada. We say pepa. <laughs> so, you know, things have different names in different places. But let's take a look. The national flower of Spain is the red carnation. You say clavel. I never knew that. See? I, I knew the flower in English, but I just didn't know the name in Spanish. Y sabía que el clavel era la flor nacional. But I never put two and two together. Another one that's extremely popular in Spain is the pomegranate flower. And the city of Granada, which we're going to talk about the Generalife Gardens a little bit later, the city of Granada was named after this flower, the pomegranate flower. So just to give you an idea of the importance of this flower on the Iberian Peninsula. Another one is the Spanish bluebell. Es tal como suena, parece una campanita Azul. The scientific name is Hyacinthoides hispanica. Oh my God, I didn't know we were going to start speaking Latin today. But these flowers, like many flowers, can be found worldwide. But they say that the Spanish variety of the bluebells are the most resilient. They are from the lily family. And lily, L-I-L-Y, the word lily is lirio or azucena. And a lily pad, well, a lily pad is where frogs hang out. They float on the water, kind of like water lilies. Again, water lilies or lilies. In Spain, you have a lot of the pink variety. I love these little red flowers, and I never knew what they were because, well, I see them all the time, and they grow in the wild. They're poppy flowers. That's right, poppy. Now, poppy, I think you say amapola. They're these little red flowers that uh, they're drought tolerant. I didn't know that, and I guess that's why you can find them in Almería, in the middle of the desert. Drought tolerant, que aguantan las sequías, and they require direct sunlight. So that's why they thrive so well in Spain. Another one is the Valencia red rose, the Bougainvillea. I don't know if we pronounce it like you, but it's written similar. I remember that being a street name, but I didn't know it was a flower. And lastly, geraniums. Now, obviously, there are so many different flowers in Spain and flowers from all over the world. We've got them all. But those are some of the ones that are naturally from Spain. And now we're going to move on to our idioms. I took a look at some idioms that had to do with growing and horticulture and fruits and veggies. Remember, if you can't say vegetables, say veggies. Because it's not vegetables, it's vegetables. Tres syllabas. Vegetables or just veggies. So what I've done is cherry-picked. <laughs> you see what I did there? Cherry-picked. Escogí a mano. <laughs> All right, well, there's your first one. I've cherry-picked a few idiomatic expressions that are in common use. Familiarize yourself with them, and one of the best ways to do that is by associating it. So the first one we already talked about, forbidden fruit. We talk about the Garden of Eden, right? Forbidden is prohibido. And fruit, no fruit, is fruta, no? It's obvious. 
So forbidden fruit doesn't just mean fruit we can't have, but it also means something we want, but we can't have. I'm sure you have a similar expression in Spanish, but that's apples and oranges. <laughs> ¿Qué? That's, eso es manzanas y naranjas? That's apples and oranges means estamos comparando dos cosas totalmente diferentes. Another one that uh, I think of apples is to the core. The core is the middle part of the apple. So if somebody is rotten to the core, está podrido hasta la médula, hasta, hasta el núcleo. More expressions that come from apples. You can tell that we love our apples. Well, we have an expression in English that's, it's as American as apple pie. Another one, an apple a day keeps the doctor away. What does this mean? This means if you eat healthy, you won't have to go see the doctor very often. You won't be sick. It doesn't mean literally have one apple a day and you won't have to see the doctor. But it means eat a healthy diet. An apple a day keeps the doctor away. And that's what I'm trying to teach to the apple of my eye. <laughs> we'll be back in a flash. Hey guys, this is your girl Lira, and you're listening to Self-Reflection Podcast. Thank you guys for joining me on another episode of Self-Reflection Podcast. I hope this podcast episode finds you in the best possible state that you can be in for yourself today. Um, you know, and if you're not doing your best, I hope, you know, you find some time to care for your mental health, physical health, emotional health, spiritual health, and your psychological health. You know, I hope you find some time to do some self-reflection. Um, just gather yourself and, you know, find the best possible way you can deal with what you're dealing with in this moment, right? <laughs> the apple of my eye. Otra. Mi ojito derecho. <laughs> and she's catching on. Lo está pillando. Because the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. <laughs> The apple doesn't fall far from the tree is somos de tal palo tal astilla, I think you say. A chip off the old block. Literalmente, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. La manzana no cae lejos del árbol. Even if it's a bad apple or a rotten apple. Un bicho malo. As you can see, we can just talk about apples and never really be talking about apples literally. How do you like them apples? <laughs> and that's my last one with apples. I promise, because I'm starting to go bananas. Oh, there's another one. Volverme loco. How do you like them apples? Well, primero es mal. Es incorrecto gramaticamente. Sería, how do you like those apples? Pero como es frase hecha, it means toma ya, cómetela, trágate esa. You know, I think that would be the translation. How do you like them apples? Y es una frase que lo podéis ver en Goodwill Hunting, la película esta, muy famosa. He says in the scene, I remember they're trying to, to pick up the girl, ligar a la chica, and he knocks on the window, algo así, toca la ventana y goes... He goes, hey buddy, do you like apples? ¿Te gustan las manzanas? I think this is Matt Damon's character. And the guy goes, yeah, why? And he goes, I got a number. Yo tengo su número de teléfono. How do you like them apples? ¿Qué tal te parecen esas manzanas? Y significa, toma ya, cómete esa. <laughs> very, very native expression. And those guys, uh, Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, they were like two peas in a pod. Oop, ahí estamos con otra. 
two peas in a pod es como dos guisantes en una vaina, como dos gotas de agua. And they were full of beans to make the movie. Full of beans, con mucha energía. Well, sure, they were working with a legend. They were working with Robin Williams. How would you not be full of beans? But do you know what we say about beans? Beans, beans. They're good for your heart. The more you eat them, the more you fart. Hey, don't shoot the messenger. We'll take a look at a couple more, and then we'll move on to some of my experiences at some of these world-famous gardens. The next one is in a pickle. We already looked at the word pickle. But if you're in a pickle, you're in a jam. You're in a bind. I think you would say apuro in Spanish. You know, well, you don't always see life through rose-colored glasses. And to see life through rose-colored glasses means to be an idealist, to see everything as you want to see it, not as it is. You see everything as peachy. Y ahí tenemos otro. If everything's peachy, everything's hunky-dory. Todo está genial. And the last one, which always cracks me up because I just have this image in my head. It's a couch potato. You say, alguien que hace sillón bol, que también me gusta, eh? But we say, una patata del sofá, a couch potato. And just be careful with that word, because I've heard a lot of people say coach. Coach es entrenador, couch es sofá. And we don't say sofá, we say sofa. So, pongas como lo pongas, no es fácil decir esta palabra. Sofa or couch. Just remember this, the coach is on my couch. But now it's time to change gears. We are going over to Singapore by the bay, La Bahia. And there's something called the Gardens by the Bay. And they are huge indoor gardens. Indoor is interior. They're right behind the marina sands. And they have a waterfall, which was the tallest indoor waterfall until Singapore's airport, Changi Airport, topped it. Lo mejoró. But still, it is a huge waterfall and it's this botanical garden, but the space is enormous. I shared some pictures with you guys on Patreon. It's mind-blowing. If you ever go to Singapore, it's so worth it. The Gardens by the Bay And right before you get there, you get to what they call the avatar trees. So the whole thing is an experience. It is beautiful. Another one I mentioned earlier was the Generalife, which at first I thought it was general life. <laughs> well, of course, I was reading it in English. Generalife, which is part of the Alhambra complex. What a beautiful garden. And again, the gardens are beautiful. The setting is beautiful. I mean, you're looking at the Alhambra, one of the wonders of the world. You're looking at the Sierra Nevada. What more do you want in life? I don't think we realize how lucky we are in Spain. Atocha, I know you're laughing, but I've never seen any gardens like that in any train station in New York City. I think it's Beautiful. Every time I go on a trip, I take a few minutes 
to just sit there and have a coffee or a bottle of water before I get on the train because I think it's so impressive the indoor gardens at Atocha. And I imagine, just like New Yorkers, many madrileños probably take it for granted. But the next time you go to Atocha, remember, you have a gorgeous garden awaiting you. And there's life. There are turtles and little fish. It's absolutely beautiful. The other one I mentioned earlier was the Kuchenhof, which is located in Holland, in the Netherlands, Los Países Bajos. You've all seen this one. It's the one with rows and rows of tulips and, well, as I said before, every flower under the sun. It is the world's largest and most famous flower park. And you've got these beautiful windmills in the background. There are more than 7 million flowers in bloom between April and May. And I was so lucky to be there when the flowers were in bloom. My friend said, hey, uh, you want to go to the Kuchenhof? I'm like, yeah, I've always wanted to go. He goes, well, now's the season. And I said, really? He goes, everything is in bloom. I said, let's go. And then my friend whipped out, to whip out his sacar, some space cakes, and I don't remember too much else. But I felt, I swear to God, I felt like I was in the Beatles' yellow submarine. It was mind-blowing. The colors, the smells, the ice-cold Heineken. Oh, wait, oh, yeah, well, that's part of it, too, sure. And there you could see everything. I mean, obviously, we think of tulips when we think of Holland, but they have hyacinths, daffodils, Orchids, roses, carnations, irises, lilies, and anything you can think of. And the last gardens I'm going to talk about are the ones where my father grew up. These were practical gardens. These were gardens where my family ate from. I'll remind you guys, my dad was born on a farm. And there they had figs, egos, they have all kinds of things, plums, oranges, almonds, some other products from Spain. So my father comes from the land. As a little boy, my father learned to tend to the land and to care for it, to take care of the land. So it was not only beautiful, but it was abundant and fruitful. And you know what, folks? Learning a language is like cultivating a lovely colorful garden. In order to grow anything, you need to give it a little attention, a little energy. I mean, nothing comes in life without effort, energy, and time. So I hope you guys will continue to grow your English garden so it bears fruit and it's a lush, frondoso, beautiful garden. I hope you found this episode fruitful and that you'll join us in the next episode of F.Y.I.